Welcome to Camera Ready and Able, the podcast that explores the intersection of media and personal growth. I am your host, Barbara Barna Able, and my calling is to help you tap into your superpowers, clarify your message, and make an impact on the world. Today's episode is brought to you by the word empowerment. My pals at Merriam-Webster define empowerment as the act or action of empowering someone or something, as well as the state of being empowered to do something, the power, right, or authority to do something. We're going to focus on the latter definition because my guest today opened my mind recently when he explained to me the physics of empowerment and how we empower ourselves. So I am thrilled beyond measure to welcome to the show, the good doctor, Dave Montgomery. But before you jump in here, Dave, I just want to give you a little proper introduction. So the fabulous Dr. Dave is a cardiologist, a frequent contributor to CNN, HLN, and WebMD, the host of the web series, The Good Dr. Dave, a super dapper dresser, and the man Steve Harvey said this about, I don't need a heart specialist, but if I did, I'd want it to be you, Dr. Dave, and I couldn't agree more. So welcome, Dr. Dave Montgomery. Oh, I am so thrilled. So thrilled to be with you, Barbara. Oh, well, I'm honored you said yes. So thanks for joining me. Yeah. So the first thing I want to ask you is about an amazing quote that you shared with me, among many, and this is from Henry David Thoreau. So just want you to know, anyone listening, we're going deep. This is not super lighthearted <laughs> cardiologist, Dr. Dave. So you said this to me more than once, actually. We are constantly invited to be who we are. I love yeah, that. What yeah. does that mean to you? Oh, listen, Barbara, I, you know, one of the things that you helped me uncover for myself was the fact that me by myself, the way I am right now, I'm enough. I can improve, but I'm enough. Now, here, here's how you know the stars and the universe is, is aligned with you and you're on the right track. I very often will in my morning meditation, so I do about 20 minutes of meditation. Sometimes I get in a groove and a little bit longer, but I sometimes read myself into a state. And Henry David Thoreau's uh, journal is a go-to for me very often. And I came up on that passage. And remember, these are musings. I mean, he's just talking about whatever he wants to talk about that day. And I'm flipping through and I stop on that message right around the time where it became clear to me that I myself am enough and let myself come through in whatever I do especially when there's somebody else involved, right? You know, let myself come through in my everyday job of helping people prevent heart attack and stroke. Let myself come through when I'm on media and we're talking about any vast number of things. Um, And that yourself coming through is the best gift that you can give. That's your purpose. Your purpose is to find that self. And when I saw that, that passage, I'm like, something's going right. Because it started with that. We are constantly being invited to be what we are. And then it goes on and it says, as to something worthy and noble. Now here's the part that got me. It said, I never waited, but for myself to come around. Got deeper, right? Then it said, none ever detained me. Nobody stopped me from getting there, only me. Still, I lagged or tagged after myself. Now, listen, I will tell you the very last part of that, still I lagged or tagged after myself, sat with me for a very long time because 
I was lagging until you made it very clear to me that I wasn't showing up as my true, we say authentic a lot, but that's exactly what it is, your genuine, authentic self. I was lagging behind because I didn't even know that I wasn't doing that. It wasn't clear to me that I hadn't, um, that I wasn't feeling like I was enough, that I had to do something and be something else. And then once that became clear, now I'm tagging. I'm literally playing tag with myself, trying to keep up with the idea that I'm enough. And that when I express my enoughness, that's when healing comes in my profession. My healing comes through you. I help you sort of uncover. I stimulate your own discovery, right? Um, and it, it was just, among many things that you've helped me do, that was just really the hugest, like, defining moment in this part of my, my life. So thank you very much. If anybody was wondering why I have a cardiologist on a podcast about media and personal growth, there it is. That was the extraordinary answer from my beloved Dr. Dave. Um, and, you know, and it's a truism in coaching that we learn from every person we encounter, which is so true because – the reason I wanted to have you on was I've learned so much from you in the process of our working together. That quote is but the tip of the iceberg. And again, for anyone who doesn't know you, one of my favorite things too is the um, tagline you have on your website, which is, you know, uh, coming from the heart plus shooting from the hip. Yeah. There it goes right away. So, you know, digging deep, I think I'm going to keep it as a little bit of a tease as we get into the physics of empowerment. Sure. So Dave, if you don't mind, one of the things I love too about you is your origin story, how you figured out you wanted to be a doctor. Yeah. Do, would you mind sharing oh, that? A I love bit? Like, this story. <laughs> well, you know, and before I tell the story, I'll tell you that I used to think I didn't have one. So, you know, and, and actually that just came to me right now you know, this idea of lagging after myself has been a theme. I mean, I, and remember Thoreau was around in the early 19th century, early to mid, right? I mean, this is a human thing. I mean, we're going we're gonna to have this. So um, I used to think I didn't have a story. When it was time for me to write my medical school, uh, bot, you know, the story that they want you and you fill out all these things, I was like, oh, I don't really have a story, but, but here it is. And people are like, what are you talking about? That is a that is the story. <laughs> you don't have to be something else. You don't have to have another story. Um, so uh, so huge for me in, in any number of ways. But I was probably eleven years old when I told my mom I wanted to be a physician. And you know, I always tell people that there were no doctors in my family. At least that I had a second cousin who became a doctor much after I was, um, you know, a teenager. But I didn't have any doctors. I also always say that my pediatrician, whose name I remember and I won't say, was not interested in me at all. So it wasn't like I had this great relationship with my pediatrician and then I wanted to be a doctor. It was in there. It was already, it was a kernel that started sprouting very early. Um, I remember going to get one of my basketball physicals. I played basketball in, in elementary school, uh, seventh and eighth grade uh, middle school is what they call it here. And I was so excited to tell him that I wanted to be a doctor. I was right. Okay. So I got, you know, Dr. Blah, you know, guess what? He's like, mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, you know, just kind of going through the motion. I say, no, 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 no. Guess what? He's like, yes. It's like, I want to be a doctor. Cough. I'm like, man, this guy doesn't care about me. So it, it wasn't he, it wasn't him uh, that, you know, sort of sparked my interest. I think it was in there. I've had several what I call defining moments along the way that um, really made it clear to me that 
I was going to be a doctor. And one of them was uh, when I was in high school and we had a, uh, we had an assignment to, uh, to draw a heart freehand. Now, what my biology teacher at that time, she was my freshman biology teacher, didn't know was that I was drawing freehand hearts for about two and a half, three years because I had gotten this uh, anatomy and physiology book from my best friend at the time. His mom had just gone through an LPN nursing course. And I was already jazzed by this stuff. So I was like, you know, are you, are you using that book? You know, that right there? She was like, what do you want with that book? Yeah, I'm done. Uh, can I keep it? Sure, I'm done with it. You know, she's like, good riddance, take it. And I literally, Barbara, I would spend hours in this book. I would go down in the basement and in the dank basement and read this book only to try to come upstairs, run and, and like teach my sisters, you know, like who had no interest whatsoever in me to, you know, guess what? Do you know the truncus arteriosus? Like I was saying words like truncus arteriosus at 12. Like, what is that? You know, nobody knows what that is. Um, and I always would go, and my sister says this to this day, I always would say, well, why don't you want to know about your body? Everybody should want to know about their body. So, so she teases me about that. But the, the time that I spent in there, you can imagine that a 12-year-old didn't glean all of the essence of it. But I spent enough time to, to understand that stuff. And what turns out that I spent a lot of time in the heart section, I don't know why. I don't know why I was drawn to that. Um, the, maybe it was the blues and the reds that we put with the blood or whatever it was, but I spent a lot of time there. Uh, and so the high school assignment, I was already drawing this perfectly, you know, anatomically, okay, I said perfectly, obviously you think your stuff's perfect, but it was an anatomically correct heart by hand. So when I turned in my assignment, my teacher apparently thought I copied it. So she didn't say this, however, Barbara, until it was time for your, your parent to come up and get your grade report, right? So we're sitting there, it's the three of us, and she says, you know, David is a good student, but unfortunately, he has been dishonest in this assignment. I asked all of the students just to draw a freehand heart, and it looks like he copied the, the, the heart. And I'm looking around, you are 13 years old, I, you know, 13 going into high school, you're 13. You have no agency with your mother and the, the high school teacher, okay? And I'm like, what are you talking about? I drew that freehand like I did. And she says, okay, you drew that freehand? She pulled out a blank sheet of paper, slid it over and said, draw it. I said, okay, I've got the marker. Thank and you very I, much. And there so you go. what did I do? There it was. Um, and she apologized profusely after that. That was a defining moment. Um, and after that, there's some nodes. My father died of a massive heart attack. I started to understand that what I really was going to do was be a cardiologist to understand why a young man would die of a heart attack. And mm -hmm. then these other nodes of of defining moments that came through and, and it made me who I am today. So, you know, it's a long story, but there it is. Oh, I love it. Well, you remind me of two things. One is that um, you're living proof of the idea of think about what you loved as a kid and go do that, which is amazing. Yeah. It's so funny because what did I love to do? Talk and watch TV. So here I am. Yeah. Um, imagine if I'd had, you know, a shred of competence in science. Uh, so I salute you, Dave, as always. Yeah. The other thing you touched on a second ago is, you know, that you tried to get your sisters excited. And something you often say, which I think is enormously important, I know it's one of your core messages, we know more about our cell phones than we do about our own bodies. Yeah. 
Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about this? Because I really do want to get to this notion of the reason you're here beyond the fact that I adore you and admire you is you really are an exemplary example. Oh my God. I don't know if I can well, really say you. that, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you're, yeah. You're, you're an exemplary example of someone who's using media, not only for your own personal growth, but also to affect change. Yeah. Well, you know, what became clear to me early in my training was that we know a lot about how the body works. We don't know everything. Don't get me wrong. I mean, you know, COVID-19 is telling us that, right? We don't, we don't know everything about the body. We know a lot about the stuff that causes us the most harm, and heart disease happens to be the biggest one, right? What I learned early on was there's still a lot of suffering and death from things and conditions that we know how to prevent death in. Heart disease is the number one. Why is heart disease still the number one killer far and away, but we know what causes it and we know how to prevent it? We know how to stop it from killing people. And what was clear to me was that we had a marketing problem. We had a marketing problem that we, in, 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 the, in the academy, in the scientific, in, in medical science, hadn't taken a page from other you know, disciplines, other industries to say marketing is the most important piece here. You might have, you know, solid gold, but if you don't let people know you have solid gold, it's useless. Giving what you know away is the key of life. And so I, you know, sort of racking my brain, obviously I don't have any marketing background, you know, got deeper into this idea of we have a marketing problem to understand that the marketing problem is simply because we have a public relation problem. We have a PR problem in medical science. And, and the PR problem is so uh, deep and so nuanced, but we've never atoned for it. We've never come back to say to large groups of people, what happened in, you know, historically is or was- Can you often... get a little bit specific there? Well, right? so because for example, really you know, every, especially now, you know, um, what's come to the surface is the Tuskegee experiment, right? Early in the 20th century where, uh, you know, the government was involved in giving syphilis to African-American men just to figure out what happens. And it causes some, you know, causes some very terrible uh, disease um, long term. And there are very many people, especially now, who are thinking of a Tuskegee experiment when vaccines and COVID-19 come up because it just smacks of too much governmental involvement. We've never had that many people, you know, watching a vaccine trial before, you know, in, in history, never, ever. And so we've got a lot of historically based distrust. And it's not just historical. It's like today. Like, I can guarantee you that somewhere as we're speaking in an ER, somebody is getting disparate care with the same profile as, as another person. And it's not just race. It's age. It's, it's ethnic background. It's your language that you speak. It's your gender, you, right? Um, and, and your socioeconomic situation. It is. It's happening right now. And so people have a healthy distrust uh, of medical science vis-a-vis, you know, when the government gets involved, it just gets very murky. Um, and the reason- Can I jump in there? Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Well, no, because what I wanted to get to, because 100% agreeing, is actually what you are proactively doing about it. Yeah. So that um, I was going to save it to the end and I will remind everyone, but we can go to your website, DaveMontgomeryMD.com, and right there on that homepage are your take fives. So you've really started to provide, this is that intersection of saying, we have this problem, 
here's media. What can I, Dr. Dave Montgomery, do about this? And it's extraordinary trusting resource where your take fives and all these videos explaining this is what I would do. Well, you can, it's your take five. You explain to me what a take five is. Yeah, no, I, absolutely. I mean, it just hinges on this idea that, you know, if we have a marketing problem, go use some of the best marketing tools known to man right now. What is that? That's mass media and social media still today. You don't have to ask people to go do that. They want to do that. So you go to them. Don't ask them to come to you. And I decided that long ago, um, even to the chagrin of the people who were training me to be a cardiologist. And Right now, I think that it's a great tool because I also think that the messenger matters. Uh, the you know people people don't care what you know until you care what you know until they know that you care. Um, and unless you've got a caring in you know personality individual delivering the information, um, then it's going to fall flat. So as great and and founded as your information might be, the messenger matters. And I, I'm clear now after you know working with you that um, it's okay to say, I'm, I'm that messenger. I'm at least part of that messenger, uh, you know, group that there are the whole groups of black and brown people that may not take a message the same way from somebody else that they would take from me. And I am thrilled at that responsibility. I am thrilled at that responsibility. It's not a burden at all. And so I put out these videos, right? Because I have my one hand Listen, I am black. I am African-American. I know what that feels like. I've had those experiences. But I also am one of the purveyors of the information that will save us all. So, boy, you put that together and you're, the tone color of your message can change. The complexion of what you say changes. You hinge on some of the things that may not, you know, when I'm on the news, I can't say everything I can say on my own videos. Okay, so I'm putting those out on a regular basis on social media uh, and I'm getting a lot of great feedback, even when one or two people say, hey, you know, listen, I was not even trying to hear what they had to say. But when you said that and showed me, right, Barbara, you taught me, don't tell me, show me. There's some people who want to see it. They don't want to hear it. There's some people who want to hear it, don't want to see it. I take all that together and we're putting it out there and uh, and I'm going to keep doing it until it's no longer a problem. Has anything surprised you that oh. in terms of feedback? You know, like things that resonated uh, with your audience that you're like, wow, I didn't expect that was the thing that was going to resonate. Well, so, you know, I'll tell you that I actually I have a, a, a friend who had developed in in the television world. Um, I used to show up on, on her show a lot. And um, she has a personal story that is not a secret. So her um, son developed uh, autism and it was one of her thoughts that her one of the vaccines that he had um, had contributed to that. And she is as you know, against vaccines as it, you know, you can be. And I think it was the top five fallacies about the vaccine at the time. This was in December that I put out where one of the big issues was that people said, you know, this stuff is too new. Like, how are you just going to develop something in two months? And what was clear to every scientist who was working on this is that, in fact, this stuff has been around for at least a decade and a half. Now, you know, the, you know, people have been working on this since the initial SARS, right? The initial SARS was in the early 2000s. Um, and so it's not clear because we have a marketing problem. We didn't tell people that we've been working on it for 15 years. It's as simple as Why that. don't we tell anyone? Why are these I, I don't know. I don't know why you don't. And it's right there. And it's it's verifiable. Like, you don't have to just take my word for it because I'm the messenger. I showed you. So I didn't just tell them. I showed them. So I put up some, you know, some of those little slides where you see the date of the study. And she said, just 
somebody on the wavelength of of what people are concerned about and delivering the information targeted to that made me rethink for myself. Now, she may not give it to her son when it's time for his age range, but she is more apt to take the vaccine and avoid getting COVID-19, which could be a disaster for her. So that that is uh, one of the things that it, it hardened me to do that. And I'm going to keep doing it, like I said, because of stuff like that. Well, this is a beautiful segue then to go back to revisiting the notion of empowerment, which is the episode word presented by the word empowering or empowerment, because you empowered her. But when we've spoken about that in the past, you pointed out to me, I didn't empower her. It's not possible to empower someone else because you're a scientist. You explained to me in the class that I did not do very well in high school, that there are physics They're the physics to empowerment. So would you walk us through that? Because this is truly powerful. Yeah, no. So, you know, yeah, here I go kind of being literal about the word power and empower to imbue or to give or to transfer power. But it does have some relevance, I think, in this particular case. I believe that we are born, we are conceived, made in the womb and born chock full of all the power we will ever need to do whatever it is we want to do. Um, therefore, it took me back to the physics of, of power. You know, so, so power is, is really rooted in energy. It is you know, transferring energy to, to give energy to something. And the law of conservation of energy says you can't make new energy. You can't destroy energy. You can change its form. So that's one of the things that's really important. You can change its form, but somebody who, you know, I have the energy that I'm going to require to do what I have to do. Um, But it's clear to me that if there is no gradient of power, the energy that I can transfer, if there's no gradient, you can't transfer it. You You can't charge a full battery. You ever try to charge a full battery? It just stays at 100. Can't go, where's 101? Well, there's no 101. We are born with 100% fully charged batteries. So what I believe that people are trying to say, and I, you know, I don't get persnickety when people say empowerment. I know what they're trying to say. What, what I believe is happening is that we are stirring up a memory, whether it was you know, lifetimes ago, or reminding people of their own power. We are stimulating them to uncover what was there, which is what, how I define what, you, what you've done for me. You stimulated me to pull back this filter that I put on myself. Remember, none ever detained me, Henry David Thoreau. Still, I lag and attack. Let me pull this back and express the full power that I have. And in my practice, it's very clear to me that, especially now, look at this. I'm doing a lot of telemedicine just like this. And when there's healing, I can't say that I touch them with my hands and Reiki therapy. And I, I didn't, what I've done was I've awakened something. I've awakened the force. The force is with you, Barbara. The force is with everybody who's listened. And, and okay, you know, so Obi-Wan Kenobi didn't ever say, let me give you the force. He says, use the force. Luke, use the force. Don't go find the force. Don't go fill yourself up with it. You already have it. You've got to learn to use the force. Everybody has a force. Isn't that something? It's it is something. I, you know what I'm thinking while you're speaking? I was like, you know what's so fabulous about the podcast format? Because you can stop and rewind and listen to Dr. Dave explain that over and over <laughs> again, which is such an incredible gift. 
Wow. Does your daughter come in and go, dad, thanks. I, I feel super empowered. <laughs> if she says that, listen, I'm calling you immediately because, you know, when, <laughs> Barbara and I have talked at how this young lady, she's got the force, let me tell you. <laughs> so, <laughs> she's been using the force already. She's seven years old. She just turned seven. So, Well, that actually is a beautiful thing that is, and you talked about it even in your own story, is that children do have the force. They do. And somewhere yeah. our, our, our light gets diminished and it's a lot about, you know, getting our glow back. Yeah. Yeah. Think about it. Think about how many different things you wanted to do and be when you were eight or nine. I'm going to be an architect and I'm going to be an engineer. And then I'm going to also own buildings. Well, that gets dumbed out of you because somebody's narrow, limited thinking. Now, guess what? In years past, well, you know, sort of classical times where, you know, if you go look up Rene Descartes, Rene Descartes didn't just write things. He was a physician and a chemist. Like back then, you were like everything, and and part of the reason was, you know, obviously there was a um, a literacy gap, right? So there were only a few people who could read and consume, but they still were the same humans with less technology than we are. We dumb that out of kids. Let's not dumb it out of kids. The imagination that is one of the faculties that are is endowed in in our being. It's one of our powerful attributes. Imagination. We dumb it all the way down so that people stop using their imagination. And when you stop using your imagination, you fail to grow, you fail to, to, to flourish, and then you forget that you are enough. If you ever thought you were enough, you forget that you are enough. We've got to stop diminishing imagination. The one, and, and, and Einstein said it, right? The most important thing is imagination. Knowledge is not the most important thing. I'm, I'm summarizing his, his quote. Um, imagination is the most important part. Boy, I mean, that is just huge. You know, I think we talked about this once. I, I just keep thinking about like how lucky your patients are. And, and by the way, you're based in Atlanta and obviously you're doing telemedicine now, but boy, do I wish I you know, was in Atlanta just so I could come see you. Um, but that aside, what I want to think about is, uh, and we did talk about this to circle back, is that you helping your patients envision, which is a form of imagining or dreaming the healthy version of their lives because they've bought into, and I see this happen to all of us, bought into this idea that um, I'm black, therefore I must have diabetes mm-hmm. or therefore I can't have good health or, or whatever those stories we tell ourselves for a variety of reasons. I mean, the messages are all around, but can you speak a little bit to that? Like the process you you know work with, and I know you've given me examples of patients who were like, holy cow, I never, I never thought I could be healthy. I never identified as healthy. Yeah, you know, I, I, um, it's it's clear to me in my sort of development, my evolution, that the mind is the most powerful thing. Um, James Allen in "As a Man Thinketh," we should really change that. As a as a person thinketh, says that it we have to come to the realization of the truth, which is, you know, they themselves are makers of themselves. Again, that power part, right? They themselves are makers of themselves. Uh, you know, that the mind is the master weaver, both of the internal garment of character and the external garment of circumstances. Literally, you can't blame a circumstance because probably part of your circumstances, good, bad, or somewhere in between, have rooted in them what you thought. Your mind is the master weaver of your experience. And if that's the case, does it stop? Is there a line that stops it be- between your spiritual 
existence, your spiritual circumstances, your psycho-emotional circumstances, and then cuts off and then the physical stuff is somewhere else that you outsource your physical uh, health to somebody else. No, 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 no. You're the master weaver of all of your circumstances, including the circumstances of your health. That law is immutable. That law is just. It will not change. And if that's true, if I can just change my mind, then I can change my health. If I can change my mind. Which is a form of personal empowerment. There it is, right? There it is. I'll say that one more time because I'm interrupting you. So say it one more time. No, I love that. That is, it brings the whole, it's weaving. Here we are weaving. This is, you know, the sub theme here of empowerment is we're weaving this together. But if I can change my mind about what I think about diabetes in my family, then I can change my consequences. If I say to myself, I had a, a lady today said, you know, uh, I'm, I've got to lose this weight, but I'm an ice cream person. Well, there you go. What you say, you get. What you see in your mind's eye about you, what you see is what you get. What you say is what you get. There's scriptures about that. There's, everybody knows the universal law of putting things out, the law of attraction. If you say it, you get it. Um, but it doesn't just come to you as you put it out. It comes, right, manifold, right? You don't reap what you sow. You reap much more than what you sow. You don't just, you don't just get one pea if you plant peas. You get a bunch of peas, don't you? So you don't reap what you sow. You reap much more than what you sow, whether it's good, bad, or indifferent. So we, we, tell, we, we get people to stop saying things that they don't want to, to, to manifest, stop thinking or change the thought into things, change the thought into what they want to uh, manifest and stop thinking the things, uh, uh, you know, about themselves, about themselves in the world, about what they don't want to manifest, what you've helped me do, manifesting a different thought about myself in the world, in, in my new endeavors, right? And if you can do that, you can step back and just watch it. Why? Because I can't give you power. I can just stimulate you to uncover the power that's within you and the, the, the behavior follows. One of the problems in current medicine is we still are trying to change people's behaviors when we really should be trying to focus on changing their thinking. Their mindset is what many people, the dominant mode of thinking about a thing. If you think everybody in my family has diabetes, therefore I know I'm going to get diabetes, you're going to get diabetes. But if you say to yourself, I'm not getting diabetes, I'm going to be healthy. I know everybody in my family has it. I am going to do everything that it takes to not get diabetes. The universe is going to conspire with you to keep you out of that diagnostic checkbox. You won't get it. And it won't be because of something external to you. It will be 100% because that's the basket that you've woven for your health circumstances. And how do I know that's true? Well, because I see it in practice every single day. And it works in every direction. Every direction. If you say negative things about yourself, there you go. If you say things in the middle, there you go. If you say really great things, there you go. But guess what? You don't reap what you sow. You reap much more. So an ice cream person turns into an ice cream glutton, okay? Be careful what you say. Wow. I know I didn't ask you this in advance, but just off the top of your head, and then I'll get an email and we'll put it on the resources page of my website. Uh, Dave, what are your go-to books? Oh, so right now, so it changes. <laughs> it changes because I, I draw a lot of informa- uh, uh, inspiration from different places. But 
Um, Henry David Thoreau's uh, journal right now is a big one. Um, sometimes I get myself in a meditative state um, in a book called Resurrection by um, Goddard, Neville Goddard. But anything by Neville Goddard, I think, is just, it, it, un- it reminds you of your own power. He talks about this, this powerful um, attribute that we all have, this imagination, and how if you have an imagination, which is just the thought that you've created, and you persist in it, you develop it. It is the only reason, Barbara, that I'm a physician today is because I could not see myself as being anything else. And that's okay for people who didn't have that experience. But I'm telling you, that's that's why I'm here is because that's all I imagine. And when I focused on the formula, it is formulaic. When I focused on the formula, I can use that to exact whatever it is I want to see in my life in direct ratio to its effort. So if I spend a lot of time saying, I am going to improve my media, uh, you know, um, you know, stance, my person in front of people so that I can continue the healing to masses of people. Boy, and I focus on that when I go to sleep and when I rise. And that message about me is that I'm enough, but I'm improving being better. I am getting the message out even better, even more succinctly, even clearer to people so they can use it to heal themselves. Guess what I become? That's what I become if I persist in that idea, if I persist in this. So I got that from Neville Goddard. Uh, and then I, I try to you know move across uh, industries, disciplines. Uh, Bob Iger, I'm reading uh, uh, Ride of a Lifetime. Um, I'm also listening to him on Masterclass. So Masterclass is not a book, but I'm listening to a whole bunch of Masterclass. Um, and it changes, it kind of revolves, you know, what I, what I read, but that's what I'm kind of into right now to kind of stimulate. Um, cause I do believe that there is something about just reading to read. I, when I read, I, you know, I'm, I'm glad I can read with my phone around cause I can define words and usages of words. And I learn. oh, let me try to start using that word. But I also, um, I think about what I've read. Um, so it's, it's, it, it, for me, it's more important for me to, what do I think about what I've read as opposed to to just say that I've read it? So audiobooks, like you said, I mean, I just, I reverse that. Let's think about that again. Whoa, you know, how, how can I use that? You know, what is that for me? You just said two things that I love. Yeah. One, lifelong learning. Yeah. I mean, you're living proof. And the other is the notion of intention. And, and I, I have intentions when I read. Whatever that is, it could also just be to relax and be entertained, but you're very clear on why and mindful on why you show up to do anything that you do. Yeah. Um, I, you know, and I wish that were always the case, um, but I will tell you as I evolve, it just is great to be alive, to, to know that, um, you know, after every winter, there's a spring. After absolutely every, Jim, Jim Rohn used to say that, right? You know, no matter what season you're in, if you're in a winter, guess what? There is, as long as we've been alive, Barbara, there has been a spring after winter every time. And I love the idea that wherever I was before, I come across this beautiful, you know, pregnant spring ready to to just bloom forth. Um, And, you know, it's kind of like, you know, it's like Neo from the Matrix almost. You know, it's like, here you are with all this, Nobody gave Neo the power, by the way. He just didn't know he had it. He didn't know he had it. And when he found out he could use it, he was intentional about it. 
he may have had to eat it. You know, the Oracle's like, eat this cookie. He was like, eat the cookie. Okay. Um, I have a patient. I was talking to a guy yesterday. I have a patient who reminds me of the Oracle. So if she offers me anything, I'm eating it. Okay. I listen, whatever it is, even if it's like French fries, I am, although I love French fries, but I am eating because I want to be able to master the, the power. She really does remind me of the Oracle, but the original Oracle. Okay. That's key for the matrix fans. Um, but you're right. You know, if you, if you turn it on, you can, you can modulate it like the volume on your, on your, on your headset, you can turn it all the way up and you're buzzing with, you know, all of this beautiful inspiration, or you can mute it all the way down and you and only you get to control that no matter what's happening outside of you. Uh, you know, it doesn't matter what people call you. It's what you answer to that matters. Things can happen to you. Things can happen around around you, but the only things that matter are the things that happen in you. Why? Because inside of me is the master weaver. I get to determine that. I get to juice up my power, or turn it all the way down. There you go. This is it's circular. And that that is circular. I'm circling back to what I said at the beginning. Is as a coach, every day I talk to someone who tells me what I need to hear today, and uh, Dave Montgomery. You're living proof. Everything you just spoke to us about, it's like, oh, I needed to hear that today. So I am infinitely grateful Absolutely. to you for sharing everything. Is there anything we possibly didn't touch on that you're dying to share? Um, I no, I think it's it's some of more of what we've said before because I don't think you can say it too much. I don't think there's, uh, you know, I don't think it's being said enough. And that is, you know, take a moment, um, take a grain of gratitude to get you into a space that lets you hear yourself say to you, right now where I am, I'm enough. But that somewhere in me is this unique, unrepeatable miracle. Let me un, you know, filter it. Let me, let me pull the curtain back on this thing. Let me take my energy state from what scientists call potential energy, the ability to do work, to actually using that energy, kinetic energy. We all remember that from science. Let me start using it. And, and no matter what it is you think you're, don't wait until you've achieved some grand thing to start using it. Barbara, you taught me that. Use it now, use it all the time. Don't just use it with your patients. Use it every chance you get. That's what I would say to people. Mm, I can't thank you enough. This has been just an incredible gift. And I am thrilled that the podcast is the gift that keeps on giving because I get to listen to this as often as I want to. Um, I do want to encourage everyone for more information and to be able to find you, Dr. Dave, that everyone can scoot on over to your website, which is davemontgomerymd.com. You can find the top five takes, which I love. I just think it's an incredible resource. Thank you. Because you really are sharing information that I can't find anywhere else, which you've just shared with us today. And uh, episodes of The Good Dr. Dave at additional, additional more resources, plus also your Instagram lives, which I didn't even touch on. What's your, would you remind us what your Instagram handle is? Yeah, all of my social media handles are at The Good Dr. Dave, at The Good Dr. Dave, at The Good Dr. Dave. Fantastic. And um, thank you for listening and for joining in today, be sure to hit the subscribe button on whatever podcast platform you use so you can be alerted when new episodes become available. And for more information on media coaching and classes, or if you just want to say hi, come on over to my website, which is ableintermedia.com. I read every email that I get. So I hope you will, and I'll see you soon. <laughs>